The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You can find us on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and just about everywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at, at @rightnowjimdaws. You can email me at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. And if you'd like to participate in the show, you can call in at 772 that's 772-245-0750. That's not a live call-in line, but you can leave your questions or comments there. And if they're interesting and relevant, we'll use them in a future podcast. Don't call in there and just insult the host or curse at me. You're not going to get on the air with that, and I'm going to cut you off before I finish listening to it. But I would like to hear from you if you've got something relevant to say or some questions to ask or something to bring to the show. You know... I've been saying for a long time that the situation over there at Fox News, excuse me with that, uh, leaves conservatives and people uh, on the right in a very precarious position because we've almost, uh, Fox News, and with a, a, a little exception, the Sinclair Television Network, is really the only outlet that is um, articulating and advocating for uh, conservative ideas. All of the rest of the mainstream media is um, is either far left or extremely far left at this point, um, and it uh, it puts us in a bad position because, as you are well aware, uh, Fox News is under relentless siege. Its opinion hosts in the uh, evening are being attacked by um, by all of the other media as well as all of the interlocking network of non-profit left-wing advocacy groups like Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center that are trying their level-headed best to put Fox News out of business. And um, you've seen that with these attacks in these last weeks against Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson really showed you uh, exactly how you go about pushing back on these efforts. But um, his, his uh, Tucker Carlson's spine is not um, shared by the people who are running Fox News, and that is that would be Lynch on Murdoch. I think that's Rupert's eldest son. But uh, Lynch on has recently, as you know, suspended Judge Jeanine Pirro for uh, making comments questioning whether or not um, Somali Muslim refugee and uh, freshman House representative from Minnesota, e- Elhan Omar, uh, it puts her loyalty to Sharia law above the Constitution. 
Now, you know, that's uh, that's a somewhat provocative thing to say. There's no doubt about it. But that uh, that sort of statement, if it were aimed at somebody on the right uh, and made over there at CNN or MSNBC or even on one of the network news, evening news broadcasts like ABC, CBS or NBC, would be rather unremarkable. You can watch those uh, those shows, especially on cable, any night of the day or week, uh, uh, day of the week, and see their hosts and their guests accusing the president and his supporters and uh, Republican members of Congress of being crypto Nazis and white nationalists and uh, and possibly even supporting the Ku Klux Klan. You can uh, you can hear them uh, call them every name in the book uh, as as far as being a morally degenerate, and it would not be unusual. It would not even take uh, be worthy of notice if those uh, those news programs questioned whether or not um, Christians or Jewish people put their faith before uh, the Constitution. It wouldn't. It wouldn't even be an issue. But because Janine uh, Pierre, Pier, I'll, I'll get that right in a second, uh, Dr. Uh, or Judge Janine Pirro over at Fox News questioned Ilhan Omar. Apparently, you know, she is a member of a protected uh, class and you can't question her. She was uh, suspended now for two weeks and may not be coming back. And as I um, uh, touched on yesterday, this is coming in light of the uh, the recent sellout of uh, 20th Century Fox to the Disney Corporation, 21st Century Fox, excuse me, to the Disney Corporation, Disney paid $71.3 billion, and they get most of 21st Century Fox's assets, but it doesn't include Fox News, Fox Sports, and a few other uh, Fox properties. And the the... CEO of the new company is going to be Lynch on Murdoch, who I I don't think he has any uh, loyalty or uh, affiliation with the ideas espoused on Fox News whatsoever. He's a, co- a Manhattan cocktail party liberal. He wants to be accepted into polite society in that uh, that leftist universe. And when push comes to shove, he's going to do things like suspend. Judge Janine, and uh, and I have no doubt that as these these um, boycott efforts and attacks from the left get more and more intense, that Lynch on Lynchlon Murdoch is going is not going to be someone we can count on to man the barricades. The um, the news department over there at Fox News uh, apparently wants to continue to be accepted, you know, in the, uh, the, the circles of the rest of the uh, news media, which is to say the far-left news media, and are lobbying, it's rumored, to rein in Tucker Carlson, to have Judge Deneen suspended, and they will continue this, uh, this leftward ratchet over there until Fox News is indistinguishable from uh, the other uh, left-wing news outlets. Now, I know that there's, they've been standing strong uh, so far, and Tucker Carlson has uh, expressed his appreciation for that. 
But if you just look at their history, the way they've um, they've treated Judge Janine and, and the way they uh, silenced Sean Hannity over his coverage of the Seth Rich assassination, uh, there is real reason to worry because once Fox News becomes uh, compliant with left-wing dogma, we're going to be left without a, a, a mouthpiece. And that is the majority of the people in this country. They've already, the news department at Fox News has, um, banned Sebastian Gorka from being booked on the, the new hard news programs over there, as well as Sarah Carter. And Sarah Carter is a uh, an outstanding investigative journalist. Yeah, her her conclusions are more often uh, that there there was no uh, Russia collusion, and that the deep state does in fact um, has in fact engaged in uh, wrongdoing and illegality with regard to Spygate and uh, and RussiaGate. But other than you know, and I would argue that those conclusions are the correct conclusions. They're certainly shared by a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, mainstream journalists, including some from the left side of the political spectrum. But they've blocked uh, these two. Oh, and and Greg Jarrett. Greg Jarrett was you know uh, at one time uh, one of the anchors that could be uh, um, substituted in for uh, for Brett Baer or Martha McCallum and uh, and that lunatic, uh, Shepard Smith, but he's been, uh, he's been under a fire as well because he wrote a book with, uh, you know, the conclusion that Russiagate was a hoax and, and that the appointment of Robert Mueller was all about covering up the wrongdoing of the deep, of the deep state and exonerating Hillary Clinton for her, her serial felonies. And at the same time, um, pursuing this witch hunt regarding Russiagate. So we've got to continue to build our alternative um, media, both on the web and in print and on in the podcasts, because we we're really right on the verge of becoming sort of a guerrilla underground operation to try to continue to represent the, the views of the majority of the country. It's really something to watch. But, um, you know, as long as all of our eggs are in this one Fox News basket, uh, we are very vulnerable because uh, Fox News knows it can continue to moderate and try to come into compliance with the thought police over on the left. And their viewers will have really nowhere to go. Well, uh, I want to I talk about this. Uh, this continuing saga, more like a soap opera, of uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband, George, uh, basically constantly attacking uh, her, uh, his wife's employer, and that would be Donald Trump, calling him a pathological liar and, and uh, suffering from uh, narcissistic personality disorder and these other things. Um, Kellyanne, for her part, has, uh, has, uh, stood with the president and, um, you know, said that her husband's 
attacks are inexplicable. I don't know how much I believe of that because you have to think that these two people living in the same house, sharing the same bed, are going to have to talk at some point, and this would have to come to a head. But uh, the idea that George Conway is out there making these um, absurd statements against her, his wife's employer is really a puzzling thing to watch. It's not as if George Conway is adding anything to the conversation. I mean, George Conway's uh, accusations that the president uh, is mentally unstable and, and um, unfit to be president aren't adding anything to the conversation. It's not like without his voice, these opinions would go unexpressed. And yet, he does this and uh, you know humiliates his wife and undermines her. There are people that, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists who think maybe that they're coordinating this, that this is her way of continuing to work in the White House while at the same time undermining Trump. I really don't believe that. I I think Kellyanne uh, uh, has acquitted herself well, uh, both during the campaign and at the White House. But it really is something to watch. It's hard to to understand and, and divine what is going on there. Right after Kellyanne Conway came out in defense of the president against George Conway's attacks uh, last week, um, this guy took to Twitter again and uh, and said yet another lie apart from the disgrace of his attacks in the let uh, the against the late Senator McCain. His compulsion to lie knows no bounds. His mendacity and unprecedented is unprecedented for a public official. He debases his office and all around him, especially those who shamelessly defend him. Well, that would be his wife. So you would have to think that either they are, in fact, um, coordinating the soap opera um, narrative or that they're on the verge of a divorce. Because I certainly don't see how that you reconcile uh, this kind of betrayal on behalf of George Conway against his wife or Kellyanne's working for someone who her husband considers to be such a, uh, a disreputable person. So I've got a couple of clips here. The first is uh, that that uh, statement that Kellyanne made that I referenced about her husband's attacks on her her boss. And, uh, and, and then we'll play a clip from Jesse Waters' take on all of this. But here's, uh, here's Kellyanne Conway sitting down with Maria Bartiromo talking about her husband. My husband also has been very critical of the president publicly, which is unlike him, just because he's um, traditionally been a very private person. In 2016, which was known as the year of the tweet, George Conway sent exactly zero tweets. So this is new. And what also is new is not supporting the agenda of the president and my work there. I was raised, though, in a household of strong Italian Catholic women who taught me that you air grievances like that in private. So it is very surprising to see it um, be so public. It, it must be very surprising for her. You know, the, the rule in my family and most uh, families is if you've got a beef with another member of the family, you don't take it out and discuss it with other people, much less put it out on Twitter. You keep that inside the family and you don't speak ill of your family outside of the of the family. 
And this betrayal by George Conway is is most certainly worthy of uh, of a divorce. And that's why a lot of people are speculating or theorizing that perhaps this is uh, somehow some collusion between the two to uh, to try to I don't know what to, to get attention to get a a reality TV show after the Trump presidency. I'm, I'm not even sure what Jesse Waters never never short of a interesting take on a, a controversial topic had this to say uh, during the five on yesterday's episode. He should look in the mirror. I mean, talk about psychologically imbalanced. I don't know what this guy's up to. I like your new hand movements. This was very Beto-esque. <laughs> this was a new one. I've never seen <laughs> that <laughs> before. It was, it was mesmerizing. <laughs> I think you call it milking the goat. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, like Emily, I just don't have a lot to say about their marriage. It's a private matter, and now it's spilled out to the public, and it looks humiliating for everybody involved. But I would say Kellyanne Conway is handling it gracefully. She's a very uh, intelligent woman, a very passionate woman for the president, and I hate to see her embarrassed by this. It looks like George might have Trump derangement syndrome, and maybe he's angling for a CNN contributorship. I don't know what's going on. I kind of don't want to know what's going on, and I hope we could all move on. Well, Trump derangement syndrome, this would be uh, the most severe case I've ever seen. Uh, They certainly need to, uh, if they're going to stay married, reconcile their differences Either he needs to shut up or she needs to find other employment uh, because this is an unbearable state of affairs, again, unless they're actually in this uh, this uh, thing together. Well, we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this continuing um, battle uh, of um, uh, Trump against the legacy of his arch nemesis, John McCain, stand by and uh, we will return right after these messages. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. (laughs) So, you know, almost everybody is just determined that Donald Trump should shut up about these awful things he's had to say about John McCain. Never mind that they're factually true especially regarding this recent revelation that it was John McCain who met privately with James Comey to hand-deliver this dossier. 
which probably uh, made uh, Comey think that uh, he had the buy-in from the Republican Party to mount this smear campaign as well. But, uh, you know, McCain, or that uh, uh, Trump isn't really out there espousing this stuff. It's just when one of these journalists asks him a question, whether it's uh, crazy-ass Jim Acosta or April Ryan or any of these uh, lunatics, I can't remember what that other guy's name is that uh, used to write for Playboy magazine, <laughs> Donald Trump feels compelled to answer it. And, uh, and Donald Trump is somebody who doesn't... Uh, filter his comments he answers exactly what he thinks and uh and in this case you know he's been expressing the fact the fact that uh, he was not a big fan of john mccain and in that opinion um he probably has strong support among his base john mccain was a nemesis or a, a i don't want to call him a cancer he is dead after all if he was alive i would call him a cancer but um, the damage that John McCain did to the Republican Party and the nation is incalculable. And so, yeah, uh, I totally agree with uh, the opinions of Trump. I'm not sure that he couldn't be more diplomatic about it, but he's the president of the United States and a billionaire. So, uh, I, you know, I'll reserve judgment on that. Maybe he's right and I'm wrong. But um, it's got uh, it's got all of the deep state uh, up in arms. It's got um, you know uh, Mittens Romney up in arms. It's got um, Lindsey Graham very angry, and it, it certainly got his daughter uh, upset. Meghan McCain, and I got to say, you know, good for good for Meghan. She's doing her father proud, uh, defending his legacy. And uh, and counterattacking his critics, I don't blame her in the least. Um, but I also uh, don't care if Trump uh, calls it as it is, um, you know, by questioning uh, John McCain's motives and his legacy in the Republican Party. What's most hilarious about all this is to see all of these Democrats that smeared John McCain in life. Uh, suddenly decide that he's, you know, their their favorite Republican and a, a paragon of of moral virtue, and spring to his defense. Trump sat down with Maria Bartiromo, uh, and once again, you had a a journalist asking the president about uh, John McCain, and when Trump answers with an honest opinion. They question, you know, why he continues to uh, to express these opinions. Stand by. In Ohio the other day, trashing John McCain. Senator John McCain is dead. Why are you doing this? So it's not a good portion of my time. It's a very small portion. But if you realize uh, about uh, three days ago, it came out that his main person gave to the FBI the fake news dossier. It was a fake. It was a fraud. It was paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. They gave it to John McCain, who gave it to the FBI uh, for very evil purposes. Uh, That's not good. And the other thing he voted against repeal and replace. Now, he's been campaigning for years for repeal and replace. Uh, I'm not a fan. After all of this time, he's, re- he's think of this, repeal and replace. We would have had great health care. But, Mr. President, Maybe, he's dead. He can't punch back. I know uh, you punch back, no, but he's dead. I don't talk about it. People ask me the question. I didn't bring this up. You just brought it up. You asked the question. Well, you talked about it this week. 
you asked me the question. When I went out yesterday to the scrum, they asked me the question. When they asked me the question, I answered the question. But you people bring it up. I don't bring it up. I'm not a fan. He was horrible what he did with repeal and replace. It was what he did to the Republican Party and to the nation and to sick people that could have had great health care was not good. So I'm not a fan of John McCain, and that's fine. You know, the truth of the matter is John McCain was a, a despicable person who did so much damage when he was alive to the nation, to his party, sending us into these endless, useless wars over in the Middle East, constantly advocating for war, either to get into one or to stay into one. He's a historic figure. Uh, if you ask somebody about him, they shouldn't pull their punches. They should say that he was a despicable historical figure and that his legacy um, should definitely not be celebrated and, and should be uh, talked about honestly. So, you know, count me among those who believes that uh, it's a bad idea to speak, speak ill of the dead. But if somebody asked you about it, you uh, you should answer honestly when it comes to the historical record. And speaking of the historical record, it's uh, old Joe Biden, Uncle Joe, crazy Uncle Joe, was uh, getting ready to uh, to mount his his a quixotic campaign to capture the Democrat uh, Party presidential nomination. And uh, he's running into some problems, and those problems all revolve around the fact that he's got a long and storied record within the Democrat Party from back in the day when the Democrat Party wasn't as far uh, out of the mainstream as this new Democratic Party had become has become. And, uh, and Biden has... Clips, you know, expressing his opinion. He has always been a long-winded person, anxious to share his opinion anybody, to anybody that would hold still. And uh, and you've got clip after clip of him saying things that uh, that land him squarely within, you know, sort of a center-left uh, position, very similar to you know, you know, blue blue dog Democrats. And these opinions that he's expressing now are entirely unacceptable, unacceptable to this new Democrat Party. And I'll just play you one clip that uh, is probably, you know, not something he can overcome. And this is when he took to the well of the U.S. Senate back in the 1990s, I think it was 1993, when they were trying to pass this uh, uh, this crime bill that was uh, designed to get old Bubba Clinton reelected. And here's what uh, Biden had to say about that. And this, is, this was actually the first uh, example of somebody over in the Democrat Party calling, um, you know, these black gang members uh, predators. But uh, it's, this is sort of a long clip, so stick with it. We must take back the streets. It doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents. It doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become a, a social uh, become socialized into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. 
So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus on that. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized. They literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. That is the sad truth. And let me just say that I'd like to associate myself with those comments by uh, crazy Uncle Joe Biden. I agree with them entirely. I agreed with them at the time. I agree with them to this day. But can you imagine the attack ads that uh, his uh, opponents in the Democrat primaries are going to put together with not just that clip, but many other clips of similar nature went back when the Democrat Party you know, hadn't lost its mind. And there still were some uh, center-left uh, members of the uh, uh, Democrat Party. Joe Biden was one of them. And that's why, you know, he he got a a lot of support from the labor movement because, you know, he fashioned himself and uh, and represented blue-collar values. But that is not something that you're going to be able to get through uh, the Democrat primary. I mean, he would probably be the best representative of the Democrat Party or the one most likely to be able to beat Trump if he were nominated. But... Given the base of the Democrat Party, there's no way in hell that he's going to be able to get through those primaries. If you doubt me, look at what happened to Hillary Clinton. Uh, She was also uh, on tape back there in the early 90s uh, in support of her husband's crime bill using a very similar language. I'll play you this clip and then we'll see what the reaction to it was. Back in the 2016 election, or the actually the 2016 primaries, uh, when she was running against Bernie Sanders. But here's Hillary uh, back in the early 90s. Not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal. You got to bring them to heal. Got to bring those super predators to heel. Well, um, you know, that was something that you could get elected on and, uh, and run on back in the, in the nineties. But, uh, those days are long gone. And the result of that, um, that statement was during the, uh, 2016, uh, Democrat party primaries. Uh, she was, uh, protested by Bernie Sanders acolytes, 
And uh, here's a clip of what happened. I think this was actually in the, the Georgia State House. It was in one of the state capitals when she was trying to hold a uh, press briefing and uh, uh, some people that were there protesting her. I think we've got somebody saying here, we have we to bring them to real. Okay, we'll talk I'm about it. I'm not a super predator, Hillary Clinton. Okay, fine, we'll talk we about it. We apologize to black people for mass incarceration. Well, can I talk? And then maybe yes. you can listen to what I say. I'm called black and about people for predators. You're being rude. You're being rude. Super predators. That's what's going on. Oh, God, it's going to be hilarious to see Uncle Joe Biden out there on the campaign trail with all of these uh, these black activists, these Black Lives Matter lefties attacking him for supporting the crime bill that uh, resulted in locking a lot of these uh, these predators, and many of them were super predators, away uh, for long periods of times, and a dramatic decrease, historic decrease, in the rates of crime and murder in this country. And now that uh, the President Trump has allowed his uh, his liberal Manhattan liberal. Uh, daughter and son-in-law Jared Kushner to push him into this um, this disastrous uh, um, what do they call it the first uh, second chance program uh, I I would predict as soon as uh, the sun follows the night uh, that these crime statistics are going to start increasing dramatically again but uh, they're trying to figure out a way to drag old crazy Joe Biden across the finish line and make him the Democrat pres- uh, presidential nominee. And one of the ways they're doing it is by pressing for old Joe to declare that he's going to be, uh, he's just going to limit himself to one term. He's just going to trot himself out so that he can uh, represent the old guard of the Democrat party and try to slay that dragon that is Donald Trump. And then he will step, uh, step aside and let uh, one of these far lefties uh, take it from there in uh, 2024. And on top of that, he's being pushed uh, to put Stacey Abrams, the failed gubernatorial candidate from Georgia, on the ticket with him. <laughs> ah, that would be hilarious. That'd be a hilarious pairing. Uh, old, uh, I guess he's going to be close to 80 years old by the time. Those primaries roll around, uh, paired with um, with uh, gap tooth uh, Stacy Abrams waddling around on the stage. You know, Joe's going to be apologizing for locking people up for uh, being uh, drug traffickers back in the nineteen nineties, and old Stacy Abrams will be promising uh, a free, guaranteed minimum income for all, and free health care and free tuition. It's just it's. It is going to be hilarious, and you just have to keep hoping that the American people uh, still maintain enough of their wits about them to uh, to do the right thing and reelect Donald Trump in 2020. I think the Democrats are playing right into this. You know, there was a talk that maybe Trump uh, himself would just be a one-term uh, president, and then he will have made his point and will, will ride off into the sunset. Having restored the economy and uh, and and 
put an end to these endless wars in the Middle East. But uh, at this point, you know, uh, Gerald Nadler at the House Oversight Committee and crazy Adam Schiff over at the House Intelligence Committee are so determined to try to put Trump in jail uh, that he's he's uh, really going to have no choice but to run for re-election and keep uh, keeping a lid on um, the uh, the establishment in Washington D.C. for another four years. I want to talk about this uh, uh, this Brexit vote over there. Now I am not uh, an Anglophile, and I'm not a student of British politics. For one thing, if you are a student of British politics, it's going to take up all your time and energy because it is a a complicated and sordid mess over there trying to decipher uh, the many different parties and the many different loyalties and leanings of the various constituencies of those those many parties. But, of course, you know by now that uh, Theresa May, the current prime minister of Great Britain, has uh, has tried on a couple of occasions to pass this terrible bill that she's or this terrible treaty that she's negotiated with uh, uh, Juncker, the head of the European Union, uh, to allow the uh, the people of Britain to withdraw from the EU under some sort of um, you know agreement. Now. Don't get me wrong, uh, England and uh, the United Kingdom have the sovereignty and the perfect right to just withdraw from the EU, but the globalists over there in the United Kingdom want them to do it in a phased manner uh, that will allow them to keep the borders open and have these disastrous trade agreements in place for as long as possible. And, uh, And she negotiated an agreement that does just that. But her own party, recognizing that this was going to be a betrayal of the promises they made during the original Brexit referendum, defeated those not once but twice before Parliament. And so Teresa, uh, you know, went back with her hat in hand over to... This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Over there to Brussels and persuaded John claude Junker I think that's not his name. Uh, it's Junker. But um, persuaded him to give her an extension to allow her to have just one more vote on the on the disastrous treaty that they've organized with the, th- with the thinking being that if she can just get one more vote that these uh, these people that are in opposition to this treaty will come to their senses and and approve it. And this is a, a tactic, especially, you know, over in England, you keep having referendums and you keep having votes until you get your way. And then you declare the in- issue settled and you move on. It's called a leftward ratchet. But, um, so she's gotten a, a delay that will take her where, uh, uh to May, wait a second. Yeah. To April tw- 12th. No, 
it'll take them to May 22nd if they approve of the of the treaty that they've already voted down twice. But if they don't approve this uh, this treaty, it'll only take them to April 12th. One of the ways that the um, that Theresa May's government has tried to circumvent the will of the people is make these maneuverings in Parliament so complex and bewildering that uh, the people won't be able to follow what's going on. But basically, uh, this is the EU trying to say, if you don't approve this deal, you got to get out by April 12th. And if you do approve it, we'll give you until May 22nd to implement it. Well, uh, one of the interesting things is the Speaker of the Parliament over there has uh, said that uh, we have already considered this bill twice and we're not going to consider it again it would be a violation of the rules of parliament unless something changes substantially about this bill we're not going to vote on it again and um and that is just basic um uh oh what's the name of it uh, the the rules of order uh i can't remember it but uh, that's just basic rules of order that uh, were developed in England uh, to to make sure that you have a representative uh, government. So somehow, Theresa is going to try to bring this to uh, back before the parliament uh, for another vote. The, the EU didn't make any additional concessions, so I don't know why the outcome would be any different than the first two times they voted on it. If the Speaker of the Parliament will, in fact, even allow another vote. And amid all of this, uh, Nigel Farage, who was the champion of the original Brexit, is promising that um, if the uh, if Prime Minister May and her government don't comply with the will of the people with regard to Brexit, and that means getting out, that he is going to run uh, on an anti-European Union Party ticket uh, uh, for uh, a seat in the European Union and try to uh, to undermine it from within. I got a clip for you here from Nigel Farage. If this betrayal continues, and I sense that it will, and if we finish up with an extension, and if the UK is fighting those European elections on May the 23rd, I will lead the Brexit party into those elections. So you, you're, you'll definitely stand... I will lead the Brexit but party. But you won't be you elections. won't be UKIP, so you'll be running no, again. No, I, we, we, we've, I've set up a brand new party... It's called the Brexit Party. It's virtual at the moment. We haven't even launched it, but it's there. It's legally registered, and I will lead that into the European Union. And I was told you have a lot of money behind you. Is that right? Enough. Enough and some very high... And some very prominent support. And, and from, from, from what sources? And, and Well, from, don't worry. They're, they're all UK registered, so it'll all be OK. It'll all be legal. Look, there is... I, I think you might be surprised by the number of people from across the political spectrum who view what happened last night, this whole process, as being nothing less than a betrayal of democracy, a breach of trust between our leaders and ordinary people. And I'm not going to stand by and allow this, and allow our political class to walk all over it. We've got to run out to a break. Uh, stick with us, and we'll be right back, and we'll uh, we'll finish up the Brexit issue, and then we'll talk a little bit. We'll, we're going to start a new uh, continuing series on this show, just looking at the lunacy of the various uh, uh, candidates that are running to uh, to get the Democrat Party uh, uh, nomination, 
And uh, we're going to have our first installment of that continuing series right after these break. Uh, Stick with us. We'll be right back. And you're back on Right Now, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So before we went out to the break, we were talking about um, what's going on over there in the United Kingdom with regard to uh, Brexit and the political class over there doing everything in their possible to deny uh, the will of the people, and uh, and that is uh, for the for Great Britain to uh, withdraw from the European Union, and what they're doing is basically trying to wear down the uh, the members of Parliament and the the voters over there. They're trying to get a second referendum because they don't like the way the first one came out. They're trying to drag this out, and um, you know the president uh, uh, Trump. Uh, advised Theresa May to avoid all of this and just go ahead and withdraw immediately from the European Union without spending the last two years negotiating this foolish treaty and even offered her trade deals with the United States that would ensure Great Britain's continued prosperity. He he didn't take her advice on that. Sort of like ripping off a, a, um, a Band-Aid. You know, if you do it slow, it's going to be uh, more pain for a longer period of time than if you just tear it off. And that's where they are now. But uh, this is because the political class over there didn't want to comply with the will of the people. And they're trying desperately to figure out a way to deny the will of the people uh, while at the same time not creating a backlash that it's going to result in someone like Nigel Farage or somebody like Donald Trump, like a British Donald Trump, from coming to uh, to power as a result of that betrayal of the existing Democrat or the existing uh, British establishment. I've got one more clip I want to play you on this topic before we move on. This is a, a fellow named Robert Niblett, Robin Niblett, which is a perfect name for one of the British aristocracy. He's from the so-called Chatham House. He's the director of the Chatham House. And the Chatham House uh, is... Along the lines of uh, the Council of Foreign Relations, what we have in this country, sort of a a shadow uh, government designed to formulate policy that will benefit, uh, you know, the ruling elite and the moneyed classes. Um, And here's what he had to say about the latest developments uh, with Brexit. Um, Well, we're not exactly where we were because the March 29th absolute fixed deadline has been moved. And the very fact that it's been moved, I think, uh, is a very important uh, adjustment. I mean, Theresa May had said March 29th is absolutely the date. The fact that we've now accepted extensions either to April 12th or to May 22nd has completely opened up this scenario. And I think her own backing off and her very conditional language where she implied, uh, although I would prefer uh, us not to have to have uh, British 
elections for the European Parliament, which, remember, is one of the conditions uh, for the uh, uh, process to go beyond April the 12th. Although she said she's uh, strongly against it, she did not completely rule it out. I think she's really rode back on her very tough language that night, and I think we are likely to see indicative votes alongside uh, the vote on her withdrawal agreement. So it's all still open. Robin, I'm going to make a joke. I know this is a very... So basically what he just said there was that we're making progress and we're working with Theresa May to try to um, extinguish this Brexit movement and keep uh, Great Britain in the uh, European Union despite the will of the people expressed in that referendum over two years ago and uh, and all of this delay and obfuscation plays right into our strategy and we think it's a good thing back to the clip serious matter but someone came up with the definition of insanity which is doing the same thing over and over again and just expecting different results i'm reading a few op-ed pieces this morning that Theresa may just keeps going back for these votes when nothing really substantially has changed and she's just hoping that she'll get a different vote and it'll swing her way talk to me more about this third vote that we could expect and what really has changed here it's all about the balance of power around the vote. Yeah? The very fact that you saw the defeat shift from over 200 votes to 149 uh, votes loss in the second vote is telling you about the balance of power. And she has to decide which way does she go. Can she pull the Brexiteers, the very strong people who, who really suspect her deal because they think it's too soft, can she pull them on side in this third vote? Because now there is this spectrum that beyond April 12th, uh, there could be a lengthy process, potentially even a second referendum. That that spectrum, which seemed to disappear briefly on Wednesday evening, has opened up again on Thursday into Friday. So will that be enough to discipline the Democratic Unionist Party, some of the Brexiteers, to come over onto her side on this third vote or not? What's changed is not what she's asking them to vote on, but the context in which she's asking them to vote. You can tell, listening to that, why the British people spend so much time in pubs. One, to talk about uh, and try to noodle out what exactly their government is up to, and two, to drown their sorrows when they realize what they are up to. But I think it was a uh, an on-point analysis by Robin Niblett that uh, all of this is designed to thwart the will of the people that's uh, uh, try to push this toward another referendum where maybe um, you know the establishment could get its way. And to, at the same time, uh, create so much confusion around this that the, the, uh, the British voters won't re- rebel and throw all of these rascals out in the street as they should. Well, before the break, I was talking about uh, we're going to start having a continuing series on the show. And uh, what we're going to uh, start doing is, uh, as, as often as, as we can, and we shouldn't have any problem coming up with material, we're going to play you uh, clips from interviews of this uh, this clown car that is uh, the Democrat presidential nomination field. Um, nary a day goes by when one of these uh, people doesn't say something just astoundingly stupid, uh, both on a policy level and on a personal level. And we're going to start off with former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. Boy, they got some names over there, too. They got Hickenlooper and uh, uh, what's that guy's, uh, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, 
butt kiss or butt button buttonum i can't even remember they've got some really odd names but hickenlooper was sitting down with one of the cnn news readers um and he he uh talked about something that he had actually put in a book that he had written basically you know trying to to uh shape his public image and well i'll just let you listen to it for yourself and uh if you're eating cereal or drinking uh a coke or anything you need to put it down so you, so that you don't blow it through your nose this is john hickenlooper sitting down with cnn um, you went to see an x-rated movie oh. <laughs> with your mother oh. you have the floor sir <laughs> Thank you so much for that question. Anytime. Um, I thought it was better to write a book to let people really see who you were and and the dumb things you did as well as the smart things. And, and where is that on the <laughs> spectrum? On the dumb side. Okay. <laughs> I, I was the youngest of four, and as I said, my dad died uh, right after I turned eight, and my mother and I had a pretty tempestuous relationship. She was just the most amazing person. and. And I went off to college, and, and for the first time, she was alone in the house. And I didn't realize how powerful that was until I got home at Thanksgiving. And I promised, I called a friend in Philadelphia. And these were, ex- I didn't know what an X movie was. We thought it was a little naughty, but we didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I, I, again, you got to understand, I was 18 years old. And so I came home, and my mother hated to cook. I mean, she, she was just a strong powerful woman who got stuff done in her own right and i got home and she had this huge dinner laid out and i said i promised you know i promised jed that we would go to the the movie theater and see this this new movie uh you want to come and i uh, it's an x movie i don't know and you know i just and she i was sure that she wouldn't say no i made a mistake and she said I'd love to go because she didn't want to be left alone in the house again. It was a pretty famous movie, too. So I took my mother to see Deep Throat. And, <laughs> and, and, and to her credit, the first scene is... <laughs> I didn't ask the question. But, but I will tell you, I will tell you that my mother, my mother was, uh, I'm, I'm sure she was mortified. And You think? So... I don't know where that comes down in the spectrum. Taking your mother to see Deep Throat when you're 18 years old. This is something that he's admitted. Can you imagine the things he's done that he tried to hide? First, the idea that he would take his mother to see Deep Throat. And he can claim ignorance of it all he wants to. But he was 18 years old college student. They were going to see this movie because they knew what was in it. And second, the fact that he was raised by a woman that would in fact go with her son to see Deep Throat. I don't know which is more disturbing, but um, clearly John Hickenlooper is a lunatic. I know it's been a long time since he's 18 years old, but if you don't have the moral um, clarity, even at 18, not to go with your own mother to see Deep Throat with Linda Lovelace, then, uh, then maybe you have some sort of serious character flaw. Uh, that uh, that would disqualify you from the office. So, you know, we've got more and more of these kind of clips coming forward. I, I may even go back into the vault and uh, bring forward some of these clips of um, Christian Gillibrand arguing for reparations for slavery. We can, we can bring one forward of uh, 
um, uh, Warren, Elizabeth Warren doing the same thing, as well as Julian Castro. Um, there, there will be um, no end to this. As a matter of fact, we'll probably be able to put, put together montages as the, uh, the campaign heats up. Um, and it's, it, would be, uh, it would be a comedy act that would be funny if it weren't so tragic, the state of the modern Democratic Party right now. The, the only thing you can find where the Democrat Party uh, made any sense or really stood any chance of actually um, winning the election in 2020, you have to go back to the early 1990s to find. But that's about all for today's show. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at right now Jim Dawes. And uh, if you uh, if you would be sure to uh, follow us over there, or f- yeah, follow us over there, or friend us on Facebook, or subscribe on YouTube, and uh, join us back here again tomorrow, or actually Monday, uh, for another edition of America First Radio. We're going to go out with the mini vandals and uh, pick up on this. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatals.com to learn more.